0: Hello, and welcome to the Told You So podcast. I'm Brink.
1: And I'm Carla.
0: And uh, tonight, or whatever time that it is when you're listening to this, because it's not bound in time or space, it's a (laughs) podcast, tonight or whatever, uh, we're going to be talking about uh, homelessness. And this has obviously been an issue here in Manchester that's been getting a lot of attention, uh, and kind of one big... uh, voice in it i guess or like a narrative that's that's become popular is uh the one that's being spread in this documentary uh or you know news video called seattle is dying
1: yeah um it's it's about an hour-long documentary it's available on youtube so i encourage people to maybe take a watch and uh listen and learn and i i would say you know yes it's a documentary about homelessness and homelessness is an issue, but it's also one about addiction and about productivity and about property rights. I think. Yeah.
0: Well, so, uh, if you don't want to watch it cause it's a whole hour, uh, you can just listen to us talk about it and then feel like you're informed about it because that's how we do in media in 2019. So get your hot takes and your slow takes and whatever amount of takes you need. But here's the introduction. Uh, Basically, we're just going to play the first minute or so of the video. So here it is.
1: Let me ask you something. What if
0: Seattle is dying and we don't even know it? This story is about a seething, simmering anger that is now boiling over into outrage. It is about people who have felt compassion, yes, but who no longer feel safe, no longer feel like they are heard, no longer feel protected. It is about lost souls who wander our streets untethered to home or family or reality, chasing a drug which in turn chases them it is about the damage they inflict on themselves to be sure but also on the fabric of this place where we live this story is about a beautiful jewel that has been violated and a crisis of faith amongst a generation of Seattleites falling out of love with their home Just
1: is right now that there is another i feel like that's important for our listeners yes, to that's, know that's and that's understand the first minute. uh
0: and it's visually stunning anyway (laughs) it's just a lot of i don't know if he was pooping he was just having a very difficult time standing upright i
1: i I mean i won't lie I, I, i i just got back from a weekend in portland maine my husband and i like to go up once a quarter for goal setting and um yeah, we were, we were driving to go hiking and looked over, and there was a guy taking quite the shirt against the tree during rush hour in the morning. So, wow. yeah, shocking. And, and obviously- well, well,
0: I mean, that could just be how they do in Maine.
1: <laughs> I don't know if that's... I, I, I mean, I don't know. I, I I saw that in San Francisco. I mean, mm. the, honestly, poop on the streets in San Francisco, although people are talking about it more, when I lived there in the mid to late 90s, I, I mean, I remember that there was a lady who had a very, very vitriolic... Poster up, complaining about the poop guy who kept pooping <laughs> in her driveway. So it um, was a problem in at least ninety eight, ninety nine.
0: Man, yeah, I've never lived anywhere where like public defecation is a problem.
1: Yeah, and it really—I mean, you know—it shouldn't be this way. So um. yeah, well, I, so with this with this
0: documentary slash news video, I don't really know what to call it because I do honestly, after watching it, I do feel like it's kind of uh, not not propaganda, but It clearly has a a slant that it's trying to get people to look at this problem in a certain way, and they have a takeaway that you want, you know, they they want you to take away from it. Uh, That's rather clear. So I, you know, without looking into it deeper, I would maybe doubt some of the narrative points. Some of the, you know, uh, people that they chose to talk to, it seems like they're just saying things that I've heard a thousand times. In different situations where it's like, they just talk to a police officer who's like, yeah, we got to round them up and bust those, you know, those criminals are doing crimes and we can't have them doing crimes in my city. Um, I don't know why they're from the 20s or why they're
1: (laughs) (laughs) and And they still have trudgeons instead of, you know, tasers and real guns that they shoot you in the back with. But... Um, yeah, it's, it definitely, you know, I, I, I made several notes as I was watching it and I started with, you know, uh, cause the guy talks about there, he's going to introduce all these solutions and that's actually why I was interested in watching it. You know, as, as you mentioned people, it's kind of coming up in conversations here. And so I was curious, like, what is this magic bullet yeah, I think it's for this people problem, talking about it, right? right? And so the magic bullet, according to the documentary, uh is that you know we need more enforcement right and
0: well that i mean they said it four times at the end of the video i think it enforcement and intervention yeah. and then it said something about like the most the most human touches of all enforcement and intervention which is like what okay yeah uh, but no i mean so it's it was, to to kind of flesh this out They they it's all about seattle obviously which seattle is seattle excuse me is its own Uh, unique situation, but it sounds like this is something that's kind of endemic in the Pacific Northwest and in California and different, you know, different parts of, uh, America.
1: Do you think it would be fair to say this is something that is more endemic in socialist leaning states? Um,
0: I think it's endemic in warmer states because there's more homeless people, (laughs) uh, I don't know. I, well, I, I mean,
1: but as compared, like, there, like Portland has more of a homeless problem than Manchester does, for example, and it's colder right. there than here. Right. So well, I and think, they have
0: policies that are right. very consciously, you know, we're going to take care of you. Right, I mean, so in, in this movie. It's better to be homeless in Portland than in Manchester.
1: Yeah, they they mention, I mean, they call Seattle free-attle. Right,
0: <laughs> right. Well, and that's, I mean, the real, so the real core sort of issue, again, to go back to the sort of wrapping uh what the, what the video is all about. They're talking about Seattle and in Seattle, what's happened is, uh, they've, it's basically, it seems like they've decriminalized misdemeanors sort of like they you, (laughs) and generally I'm in favor of decriminalizing things, but it sounds like what they've done is decriminalize property crimes. Um, and they, you know, in the video, it's framed as basic issues of human civility. And for some reason, they lump smoke and marijuana in with, like, <laughs> yeah. I broke a window and took a dump on your car, right? And, which and, are very
1: different things. <laughs> and and we should really talk about that because I think people have forgotten that. Like, there are real crimes. So a real crime is when you hurt someone or break their stuff or take their stuff, Right. right? But then there were all these crimes against the state, which is kind of the world we live in now, where there's no real victim, but, you know, misdemeanor, you didn't get your right paperwork, so now you're in trouble, or you're, you are you right. behave in a way peacefully that a group of people don't like and, you know, think yeah. they can lock you up for. Well, and also,
0: I feel like in a lot of cases with police, you know, they see criminals all the time, and they see these, you know behaviors that are innocuous when done by non-criminals as Mm. clustered with criminality. Yes. So the cops in one breath can say breaking and entering smoking pot. And there's not a, it's like, oh, that's what the bad people do is they break and enter and they smoke pot. And, you know, tell me a guy that you haven't caught doing something that hasn't smoked pot.
1: Right. But it's also,
0: it's it's not because those things make you evil. It's because of a number of other factors where, you know, People with mental illness are more more likely to self-medicate. People, if you are already a risk taker, that's the kind of person that's doing crimes. You're probably more likely to be like, oh, I'll break the law and try drugs. So, you know, obviously there's a whole bunch of biases and, you know, Factors that that mean that that population does more drugs, especially with the the homeless population. That's a huge that's like the core issue in Seattle, it seems like. Sure. But it's also,
1: you know, know, no one ever talks about the millions of responsible drug users. Right. You know, the lawyers, the doctors, the people. I, I mean, I was a lawyer for a long time and every lawyer I knew in California smoked pot right or had at least friends i mean it was something people would openly do at parties and and
0: none of them are talking to their local police officer about
1: it and letting them understand that (laughs) yeah and and also because it's underground so no one talks about it i mean i recall that even when when you know when uh cannabis was legalized in colorado i went to visit close friends and um they were still very cagey about even smoking a joint outside in the yard because, yeah. and I was like, but it's legal now. What are we like worried about? And they were just like, I don't want my neighbors to know.
0: Yeah. Well, I mean, there's the whole like culture of prohibition, but that's, this is a whole different issue. But I guess <laughs> the, the thing that I was just doing to be clear is trying to not, you know, attack a, a, a straw man. I think that there's reasons why these law enforcement people think the way they do. Um, it doesn't mean they're right, but that's why they think the way they do. And I feel like it's useful to understand that so that if you want to convince them of something, you can, like, get where they're coming from. Um, So, yeah. So I get why they associate, like, criminality and drug use. And it's because a lot of criminals use drugs sure. and they interact with these violent people. And it's like, man, you just did bath salts again. Mm-hmm. And oh my God, there's this one guy they keep talking. I forget his name. Terry <laughs> or Tommy or something.
1: He's, he's like an award-winning geez. hobo criminal. Of, like
0: petty crime, but stuff that's really dangerous and bad. And, it's and, like and first... his
1: drug of choice is meth. Right, he's so... like, I really like
0: the meth. It's awesome. I'm a big fan of the meth. I only do it once or twice a day, but man, that's good stuff. <laughs> and he's just he loves meth and you know some people love meth i'm sure that there's some meth users out there that are doing just fine uh that like to do it occasionally i don't know it seems like kind of a drug that people do a lot uh, you know drugs aren't necessarily good they just shouldn't be illegal but um no but these videos with him it's obvious that like the cops all know him. They're like, Terry, Terry, that's his name. Terry. <laughs> put down the bike, Terry. Terry, remember last time you slipped, you're gonna hurt your leg. And it's like, <laughs> this fucking, this guy, he he can do anything in in this city, and there's no uh consequences. No consequences. And so, that's what's so weird is for I mean, for me, I, I live in this paranoid world where if I get pulled over and I look the wrong way at a police officer, I'm probably gonna get shot like and that might be you know my own issues that i need to work out or something but like i avoid interaction with police at all costs i you know i i stay away from them and i'm not not afraid i'm not like oh gosh but it's like, wow, that's a dangerous predator, and I don't want to go near it. It's like seeing like a jaguar walking down the street.
1: Yeah, I think it's I think it's smart to be uh, careful, and I think it's also good for everyone, including police officers. For every, uh, if you are in a situation, you should always record when there's an interaction. It doesn't have to be confrontational. In fact, it shouldn't be. Right. I highly recommend you know everyone for their cell phones get one of those. Uh, get a warrant stickers to put on your phone because yeah. I actually find sometimes I'll just put that up. And then they're very nice because they're like, oh, you know what? No one wants to hassle. And right. and so it's a way to keep, genuinely, to keep everyone accountable. But all right, we're all well, from but, the weeds right, in but, Seattle. Yeah, but point being,
0: <laughs> this guy has absolutely no fear of consequences for his actions None. is what appears to be the case. And it's like, what I don't understand is I feel like there there's this huge problem with people like over-incarceration but then at the same time in some of these places it's like it's like under incarceration like that dude should definitely be in jail somewhere and i was a guy that revels in destroying property and getting in fights and attacking people and like i don't know he
1: that that was the part i was intrigued with is that mystery of okay why so they had this list of a hundred repeat offenders and these are people who have been Arrested, you know, 70, 80, 100, 200 times, you know, and it's like a top 100 list of like the the real criminals. And these are property crimes, uh, definitely drug uh, issues as well, but like, you know, like real crimes. Right. And they just get kicked back out on the street. And I was like, are these the people where it's literally they have fallen through Like, that is the crack, and they have fallen through it, because the jails are like, oh, hell no. Like, we don't (laughs) want them either. Like, no one wants them, right? Yes. And and so they've ended up on the street. But part, I think, of what feeds the problem is a level of permissiveness, like, that people are getting away with. There's this great scene where it's that family from – from, like, Wisconsin or somewhere. Oh, the tourists. Yeah, yeah they're like, wow, why Oh, tourists this from Kentucky, yeah, right? that's right. And, and they're in, like, the downtown, you know, the market area. And they're like, but this is the tourist area. <laughs> How can these people be camping here? The smell, the urine smell. Yeah,
0: well, I mean, and that's the other part that I guess I don't understand is, I mean, I always thought with public property like that, like, you're, just, you're not allowed to set up Campsite on no, it's
1: it's. I mean, it gets tricky, right? Because it's it's suddenly like. I mean, logically, it, it, as the woman said, the tourist lady said, she's like, back home we get arrested for trespassing, right? <laughs> you know, and I was like, oh, you see, but this is once again, it's the it's the erosion of the idea of property rights, right? right. So everyone was like, no one owns it because everyone owns it. So no one's enforcing property rights on it. Instead of saying, if someone owned this, they could say, dude, you can't camp and crap over here. This right. is my restaurant's entrance.
0: But I guess what I don't understand is it's not even
1: –
0: anyway, I'm. I'm pro- this is just probably my own, like, legal knowledge deficiency. But I don't get how – it's if it's public property, like, you're not allowed to loiter – You know, like there's no loitering laws. And I don't feel like, uh, I don't know, I'm like, I have to maybe examine this more, but I feel like those aren't necessarily unjust. Like, you can't impede a public thoroughfare because people are walking there. And if you live there and they can't walk by, that creates a problem. And like, even looking at it from a, like a super libertarian ideological place, you know, obviously, if people own the sidewalk in front of their store, they could just be like, you can't be on my sidewalk. Get out of here. Right. Um, but then it's like there's highway on ramps. and You know what I mean? There's all sorts of space that's public.
1: Which is why one day we will have privatized <laughs> highways and jetpacks. Yeah.
0: <laughs> and I guess one of, sort of the deeper problems is I think you're absolutely right about the whole, like, they've fallen through the cracks or whatever, but there's also a certain amount of, like, if that's – if that's how they want to live and they're like, I don't want to be beholden to anyone and I don't want to be, you know, I, I just want to live my life by myself and they want to go live on the bank of a river where nobody will bother them because it's just like, why would anybody come here? Well,
1: And I feel like that's kind of know. the polite thing to do. Like if, if you want to live that kind of life, like then go into the woods and go like do a good shot of hermiting, you know, like Walden pond that crap. But you know, you, you can't live like that downtown right, and right. expect the people who are footing the bill not to get quite angry. I mean, there yeah. were these scenes with the city council where, you know, it's it's property owners right. and... <laughs> Uh, shop owners and people who are being robbed and you know just they can't run their businesses and they're the people paying the taxes
0: yeah they were trying to implement a new tax and again in like in in seattle specifically it seems like the the city council there is so off the rails they're like the the whole framing of everything is you know we need to have compassionate policy that helps people make sure that they're okay or whatever um (laughs) it doesn't seem particularly well thought out it's just like alleviate immediate pain as much as possible and avoid conflict more is what it seems like i mean oh. it's like you we're not going to bother you if you come in and cause a scene you just can't murder anyone you know like it's it's yeah, kind of like that it's, it's... like just don't really hurt anybody or burn down a house or something you know it's it's really strange and uh i don't know i understand and i
1: and I think one of the notes that I enjoyed in it was that, that they did talk about is this compassion. Like if you just really see these like deadbeat people who are, who, who are either extremely mentally ill, and that is a factor, but it's it's less than 50%. Right. I, I think the said, numbers like a much is smaller like, number, yeah, yeah, it's like 30%, right? You know, and then we should look at like the, the, the whole veteran issue, of course, too. Right. But there is a component of these people where it is simply like, like, like I just want to be like, just to, you know, get your ass in gear and and you know, hop to it. Like I, yeah. I don't know. I've been addicted to a lot of things, and I've like taken the personal responsibility to like go down that like hard path and be like, straighten yeah. your crap out. Well, so, I mean, that's
0: the that's like the true challenge of all this stuff is you can't instill get yourself togetherness in other people. Like, no, but but you can't
1: force me to pay to save your life. If you're unwilling to save it, you can't make me subsidize your bad behavior. Like, like you're free to do the bad behavior, but you got to pay your own way. Right,
0: And I think that like at the, at the core and base of the, all of the really stupid policies, it's the idea. If you are nice to people, and treat them with respect and dignity and treat them as human beings and continually, you know, uh, provide for them and show them that you care about them as a society and, you know, that that will instill that desire to change and become a productive member of society. And, like, I get that, but I would like to see some peer-reviewed studies about whether or not that's true. Uh, And, yeah, you, you, you have to be responsible for your actions. And that's the part that I really don't understand is, like, They lumped in again in Seattle. One of the things that they were complaining about is, oh, then they decriminalized having up to three grams of any drug. And that just means that the dealers, you know, they carry three grams around and that's all they carry. (laughs) Um, And I guess that could be some sort of issue, I suppose. But it's not an issue if people are doing drugs. It's an issue if people are breaking into people's cars to get money for drugs. Like, those are the crimes. It's like the, the drug doing Except if it's people passing out on the sidewalk, which is a problem. Uh, But a different kind of problem. It doesn't, you know, unless they fall onto someone's foot and hurt their foot. (laughs) There's not going to be a personal injury or, you know, a harm to another human. It'll just be bothersome for the people that, you know. Anyway, point being, there's a big difference, again, between property crimes and these, you know, crimes that shouldn't be crimes, where it's people doing things that, you know, ingesting stuff that the police are like, it's really bad that you ingest that. It makes me so mad. We got to take you to jail and and then not arrest you or whatever.
1: And, and, and one it's of very the very confusing. One, one of the things I find really frustrating about the homeless debate as well is that no one wants to sort of talk about, wh- like, where is this problem coming from, Right. So I think, you know, for me, I know that for many of these people it started with, with uh, the criminal justice system, right? So, you know, you got popped for something, maybe it was a Dewey, maybe it wasn't even drugs, maybe it was just a fine and then you missed a date and then your $100 right. fine went up to 250 and now you definitely can't afford it and now you're in that whole spiral, Right. So when we look at these problems, it's not just like, oh, magically, where did this come from? It's also looking at the actual culprit of where the problem started. And the problem didn't start with capitalism, folks. (laughs) The problem started with statism and with – you know, people meddling in other people's lives in a wrong way that has had all these unintended consequences that we are now having to deal with and we see it on a daily basis. And I know for me, and I know it's true for you too, Brink, like we love Manchester and like I want it to be a cool, vibrant city. So I want to come up with solutions and get it right. And so I was really disappointed in this movie because the solution...
0: Yeah, uh, enforcement and intervention, enforcement and intervention. And it's like basically their solution was like get everyone on Suboxone.
1: Yeah, or or Vivitrol. Vivitrol. And we are not getting paid for that, but Vivitrol, we would happily, happily, happily. (laughs) Try
0: Vivitrol. That's V I V I T R O L at your local pharmacist. No, they were really into the Vivitrol.
1: Yeah, so it was it was definitely weird in the documentary. Like everyone was saying it to such an extent that I got when I finished, like my one of my notes was, What is Vivitrol? And let me research this immediately. I had like a psyopsy, like weird feeling. So I did. So it turns out it's naltrexone, which is basically an off-label, um, non-patented uh, medicine that's been around a long time, and, and there, here's a little conspiracy theory. So uh, naltrexone will very easily cure alcoholism. It is something you can take, and then after two glasses of wine, you just don't, or whiskey or whatever you just alcohol you don't want to drink anymore like it just shuts down the urge so for people who who don't want to fully abstain it's something they do and uh it's it's like a little hidden secret in hollywood and it's like really cool but no one will talk about it because aa has their racket going and it doesn't fit in with like you can't have you can't just have a pill and manage it because that's and I don't know. Power. Like evil, you know. Yeah,
0: it's only if the pill is a deity that you worship. <laughs>
1: right. <laughs> that well, will
0: absolve you.
1: Well, to be fair, you know, the higher power is from from his acid mystical experience. That's what I'm saying. So. <laughs>
0: Why, why couldn't it be a, a giant pill in the I'm sky? It's pill. like, stop doing heroin. That's, <laughs> so, say, so, hey.
1: <laughs> so, so it turns out Vivitrol is uh, now being pushed and uh, there is a hardcore big pharma lobby to uh, get uh, correctional services and other services to buy Vivitrol to give to uh, patients instead of Suboxone. Mm. But you know, maybe it's also a hack of the system because I know a lot of people are being arrested because they have Suboxone on them. Yeah, Am I saying that right? Yeah,
0: Suboxone, Um, I think.
1: And so they're getting arrested for something that is actually a legal medicine as well that people are using to treat their heroin addiction. But yeah. now they're getting arrested for that as well. So maybe Vivitrol's like trying to stay ahead of the curve. So it's not on the books yet. Well, Catch it's, all like for the, this. it's all
0: like the race to, to get the treatment drug that doesn't get you high. Like that's a, Suboxone still kind of gets you high. Right. And that's like for for the police and for the treatment community it's like the ultimate is the thing that makes you feel fine but you don't get high.
1: You know what that <laughs> is? So here is the secret drug everyone. Here it is. 8 hours of sleep a <laughs> night. <laughs> Brick's so disappointed it's, in me right now. True. His his face just was that. just like, "Oh my god, How's, did you what is the really?" It really is a good sleep, good sleep, man. You don't appreciate it till till later. It is
0: psychotropic. Your whole day feels different. Yeah,
1: <laughs> it's 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 a special thing. It lets your brain detox. Like I never knew that.
0: Literally, yeah. Yeah, like, it's the only time that your body detoxes with something other than your kidneys. It's great. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, but so or your liver. Sure. Anyway, uh, <laughs> I'm tired. It's late on a Sunday, uh, but. Anyway, getting back to the point. So their sort of regime of uh, enforcement and intervention, I mean, they rolled it out with all these stories of these people where it's like, yeah, man, the day I got arrested was the best day of my life because it saved me from myself. And, like, that's uh, really sad. And I wonder if that's true. And I wonder if uh, in a non-prohibition world, there would be ways to save yourself from yourself that don't involve getting your life destroyed right. uh, and being treated like a non-human by law enforcement and putting, you know, putting handcuffs and all that, you know. I, I, I can't help but think that that kind of trauma is not helpful to people who probably have some element of trauma in their life that's probably helping them to want to do more drugs. Um, anyway, uh, I feel like maybe that just kicks the ball down the line. But it seems like, I mean, the program that they talked about, it's called uh, MAT in Rhode Island, which is medicine-assisted treatment or yep. – uh, medication assisted treatment um the interesting part is it seems like it has good results and i feel like if people voluntarily choose to do that and it has good results then they should be allowed to do it
1: and so that was the program in rhode island where they give them a choice right they're like and it's not a choice uh, i mean is it, it no it's not a i think it's jail time or this voluntary medical program
0: well it's in jails that they do it Oh, I see. Yeah, so it's like something you can do while you're. But it, in but
1: jail. It, it's not the one where they were like either you can get solitary for a no, year. No, no, or... so a Different
0: documentary that we watched just <laughs> afterwards, and I, I, again, I hesitate to say documentary, a Vice news clip <laughs> in which a dude with a really annoying voice talked about something that sounds really crazy, uh, <laughs> but we could we could loop back to that. But yeah, the so the it's once you're already in jail in Rhode Island, you okay. can do this medication assisted treatment, and then I mean, it, and it was compelling. They talked about the follow-up rates, and once people get out of jail, they're going back and getting the Suboxone uh, with, like, high 80% uh, completion rate or something yep. like that, which is really good. And it means that all those people aren't using IV, like, needle drugs right. and, and getting infections and all the dangers that come uh, with that. And, like, it's and, a huge harm reduction. Who was
1: it? Were, were you telling me or someone? I, know, I mean, I know we have porcupines in the community who, who – um, are doing the kits with the clean needles like mm. a lot of our nurses are are into that like needle exchange programs and stuff but someone was telling me like the aids like aids is up it's Hep c is up Every, like everything yeah. like all, all that drugs. bad stuff that which, makes people super sick which is probably also why everyone's like we need free health care because like yeah. we're all sick and it's like i don't
0: understand how like the the rail got jumped on like hey a much larger population is going to think that putting needles in yourself to do drugs is fine. Like, how did that, I mean, that's...
1: I know, of all the scary things, like, like you know how God, clowns needles. are scary? Are you kidding me? Needles are scary. Like, why didn't anyone run with that? Was well, that just too horror story? shots from, like, a
0: medical professional. Oh, no, I, I don't even they're... like that. I actually kind of do. I always oh, feel you like do? I'm kind of going to get superpowers from him or something.
1: <laughs> <laughs> like, i going to get the Steve <laughs> Rogers like, super like, yeah, serum. Do you, like, secretly, like, you're like... Ex- with yeah, little, like, exactly. <laughs> when I was a kid, that was I'd be
0: like... And also, like, you know... Because of all of my extremely toxic masculinity, I'd be like, oh, yeah, I'll take a shot. Give it to me. I right. love it. It's awesome. <laughs> it doesn't even hurt. It's the best. <laughs> and also will give me superpowers.
1: <laughs> this is where Brink learned to say, is it in yet? <laughs> <laughs> but anyway,
0: uh, yeah, needle drugs. How did that become a thing? That's probably a whole different. Sociological topic to discuss that I don't know the answer to, and I don't understand where people are like, Oh, I got this like apparatus to put. Oh, I mean, in I my, think I mean, it's
1: because needles are like super old medicine, right? Like that, yeah. that's been around for a while, and then it's the easiest, fastest way. It's intravenous, it goes to your blood. It was like science we knew I mean, and understood from you know, yeah, like I the probably 1800s. sound like a,
0: a rube, and I'm, I'm no, not like no, a,
1: I'm sort of just speculating. Um, but I'm not a
0: beginner doer and knower of drugs <laughs> and yet to me that's always been something that's beyond them I've, I've never i mean oh no and again and i'm probably I, I probably do know people that have done them but nobody's ever done one of those in my in my presence i've seen people no I, know, I mean i've seen
1: people do like like something. i would say like in 99 like when shit was popping <laughs> in san francisco right people like it was right new
0: when drugs to inject into your eyeball yeah, yeah
1: well yeah but not even just the drug scene, like the whole internet bubble scene, and just you know the first dot .coms, and it was like Y two K was yeah. gonna happen, and it was just you know like I mean it was it was a all bubble. The it are was gonna reset. We all need to do all the drugs. It was it was frothy, you know. It was it was a it was a good time. There was a lot of money. There was a lot of coke. There was like just you know it was like the movies you see about Wall Street from the eighties. Yeah, like San Francisco was like that in the late nineties. Mm-hmm. You know and and like a big e-culture and i don't know why we're talking about this i'm making drugs sound way too fun yeah don't do drugs until you're an adult and then use them sparingly and to enhance not detract from your life (laughs) and preferably in places where
0: they're legal so that you don't go to jail
1: where brought uh, was brought to you by we can change the world (laughs) be the change we should go find all these sponsors man
0: <laughs> but if we don't get a vivid Vivitrol... oh my God, yes. We're okay, so control. we gotta we gotta bring this back the in. The Make A Wish Foundation, yes. Where the wish would be solve homelessness.
1: Ooh. For the, what if a child
0: asked the Make A Wish Foundation for that, and it would just be like, I'm so sorry. I mean, bit, I have a terrible. Really I we have a terrible.
1: <laughs> I have a terrible, terrible solution that no one wants to hear. Okay, so I've got Do, do you so, want to hear it? Is it? I mean, Death we Kennedy may song? have to actually edit this out. We will see. All right. But um, so I honestly, I, last time I was in San Francisco, I was like, wow, they have a serious homeless problem here, including the pooping. And, um, and actually, I was scared. Like, there were people where, like, if I was waiting at a, a traffic light to cross the road, and I heard like a crazy person behind me. Uh, I was like, "Fuck! Am I gonna get shanked?" Like, it felt like
0: unsafe. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. And and I was unsettled. And I was like, "Are there free market solutions to this?" So and and this is awful. <laughs> I don't know if I should say this. I'm gonna say it. Do it. So have, what if you had companies? What if you had companies who adopted a homeless person, and they <laughs> had an app? And on the app, it was like a competition between all these like giant San Francisco companies to give their homeless person like the best experience possible. And what? like <laughs> <laughs> The Wait, in terms of what? Like, so they could do whatever they want. Like either it could be like a <clears throat> like a Yamagachi game. Where you have the app, and it's like, you, everyone has to keep their homeless person alive.
0: Do you? What if you overfeed him? <laughs> that can make him just as sick as not eating.
1: I had a Tamagotchi. <laughs> it died. Oh, no, you I, overfed <laughs>
0: your Tamagotchi. I loved it too much. What can I say? I just wanted to hold it.
1: I mean, I haven't fully, I feel like I should retract this entire idea, but I feel like there's got to be but what That's if, not that terrible. I what thought if,
0: you were gonna be like, you know, we come up with like a thing you spray in the air, that it kills it like, everyone.
1: Like, no, 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 I believe <laughs> I mean, it. I th- Hello, peace and love, peace and love. <laughs> you put um, a lot of
0: disclaimers in front of that, and it's basically no, just a charity. Well, it's kind, kind of, of a nice but, idea. It, but but
1: it's also like making the companies compete over like. But you're trying to alleviate suffering, so I was like, I mean, wait, maybe all those companies would just like so get together, buy a property, put up tiny houses. Yeah, and you're be like, you're just talking about gamifying, here. but charity. Then, let me ask you this: Let's say they do that and they build this village, right, where the homeless people are now going to live in their tiny homes. Do we think over or under that village will actually prosper? Or, and, and the people will get better and then move somewhere else, or do we, or stay there and maybe, like, fix up the properties, or are we just going to have, once we move all those homeless people to this, let's call it the happy village, sponsored by Google and Facebook and Salesforce, just to be fair, and Twitter, <laughs> Okay, anyone who wants to sponsor us, we'll take your money. No kidding. Seriously, contact us. (laughs) Told you so
0: (laughs) at gmail.com. You can have a chunk of this action.
1: (laughs) And um, yes, and I mean, what I'm saying is, I think if you gave them the village, you would not solve the problem. I think once when, to, when, when well, you're giving people free things to make things better for them, I'm not sure that solves the problem either.
0: Yeah, and in the in the video they talk about, I mean, I think that's a thing in Seattle. They they build tiny houses for people and I like I think that the how to put this. The like the actual problem isn't and they said this in the video too. It's not a housing crisis. Like it's not like there aren't enough apartments. You know, uh it's that There are apartments that are too expensive uh, for somebody that has, like, low skills and, like, interpersonal problems that makes them a bad person to work with.
1: But do, you, but, like, but do people understand? Like, I'm always flammoxed when people say, but I want affordable housing. Like, I work at Starbucks, so you make coffee for a living. Yeah. Thank you. And... They're like, but I want to live downtown, and I'm like, you know what? I want to live in downtown Singapore. I want to live in downtown Sydney. I want to live in downtown Manchester. Oh wait, I do. <laughs> no, I live across the river, five minutes from downtown, yeah. on the top of the mountain.
0: Exactly. Walking
1: distance. Uh, it is walking distance, Up you know. In the and for anyone listening to this who is contemplating coming to New Hampshire at some stage, if you are not fortunate enough to already live here. You should come check it out because one of the cool things is you can actually afford to buy your own private property. You can buy something that's, like, cool, and if you're into mid-century modern, as both Brink and I are. (laughs) You can buy one of the
0: other houses on our block.
1: (laughs) Well, yes, that's going to happen, too, but no, but genuinely, like, I just love, like, the idea of – we can gentrify the living daylights out of the entire New Hampshire. Like fabulous well, I mean, people like us it... just so... need to bring more fabulous people like you to <laughs> well, our
0: door. And, I mean, we were, we were talking about earlier, like uh, people's sort of like standards of living and expectations. And how can people live in like a, you know, in squalor or in like a totally disorganized, you know, trash state. And, and, with, like, setting examples, I think that, like, part of that that I'm excited about with, you know, my house and stuff is that I have to, like, set an example for the all the other neighborhoods here and right. be like, oh, wow, you know what, like... With a little bit of work, I could make this place good. Yeah, look, we're, look places... where
1: the Joneses. Everyone else <laughs> is trying to keep exactly. up with us. Oh that's how we, that's so how we gotta play. That's how we gotta roll. No, <laughs> that's what like 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 that's what we bring to the table. I think that's what libertarianism brings mm-hmm. to the table, right? It brings like honor. Like you want to, like people Arete. should want to the be Greek like
0: ideal of Arete. Yes, there yeah, we go. That's the good stuff.
1: Yeah. Oh, oh, yeah, I mean
0: excellence in all things Is
1: it? Yeah Okay It's a good one I thought it's, it was it like Erection
0: the, like, <laughs> <life>. <laughs> That's a different Greek principle um,
1: Oh wait And I have I have I have, <laughs> <laughs> I, have uh, I have another Greek Oh God Let him be Greek He might be Whatever the Epictetus, other one is Epictetus, Roman? <laughs> yes I think he's Roman I think he's Roman If
0: you're a Stoic You're probably Roman
1: Yeah Good point Good point Anyway, I did remember to bring in. Okay, so nice. where are we on time?
0: Uh, forty minutes.
1: Oh, we got plenty. Yeah,
0: yeah. We're okay. We good.
1: So, there. what's next on well, the movie? So,
0: yeah. So, to to loop back <laughs> to whatever we were talking about,
1: which was whatever uh, we were talking about.
0: I guess one of the biggest differences to me. So, let's talk a little bit about Manchester since we're on this topic. Um, to, to finish my earlier thought, a lot of the houses over here are owned by property management companies or people, and it's like. Up your game, guys. Make it nicer. People will be happier. Everybody will be happier. Make your property nicer. But <laughs> anyway, so one of the biggest differences between Seattle and Manchester, and this is something that I'm kind of concerned about. You know, this As we mentioned before, this video is kind of in circulation. It's being talked about. And people are kind of saying that this is what's happening in Manchester. And it's really not uh, in terms of the... Disregard for property crime and disregard for actual crime, and I think one of the interesting things is we do have. There's a big homeless presence now on Elm Street that didn't used to exist like five years ago. It just wasn't there. And and Uh, by
1: big, it's still by any stretch quite small. Right. I mean, Uh, but but it is shocking. And yeah, and it's hundred
0: thousand people, and there's probably you know twenty or thirty people that are regularly downtown full-time and
1: and artists. I will genuinely say it was one of the things that I deeply appreciated about New Hampshire when I moved here I did not see panhandlers here at all until about five years
0: yeah, ago yeah it just wasn't a thing
1: four years ago maybe even Yeah, but, you know and and it's the heroin
0: yeah I mean it's very I mean, closely tied and you it's know, cheap yeah, it's someone's gotta
1: take the a big Sheep. Pharma, man. So, I, I mean, I kind of, I'm like, so the state and Big Pharma made this collusion, and now state and Big Pharma are colluding together to give each other some fines, tap each other on the back. Yeah. Meanwhile, the people, us, our friends, our neighbors, or maybe not even friends and neighbors, but human beings are being screwed. Yeah. And by I mean, the it system. seems like
0: the biggest, and this is just my own amateurish theory, but it seems like the biggest driver of addiction has been uh, like synthetic opiates and that people are just doing a lot more of that not in turn like not heroin but fentanyl and all those other, like really, really seriously strong opiates. Right, just... but I
1: feel like that's for the people who are maintaining and who have like continued with the habit. Like I don't think fentanyl synthetic fentanyl is like your entry drug. I think oh, it's you're so on the cheap that... I think that
0: they, they, they mix no. it with like you use a small amount and you, you just only, you know you... No,
1: I understand that, but I don't think it's like people aren't starting with that. That's like your maintenance. I don't like, know. Like, right? You were starting with, like, Oxy, because most people got addicted from, like, 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 like. I don't think, like, the epidemic here is, like, new people coming in being, like, you know what? I haven't heard anything bad about fentanyl yet, so I'm going to start shooting that shit up and get AIDS and die. Uh, well, I don't know. No, people, the- like, I think this is, like, the maintenance. Like, I feel like people got hooked six well, or eight years right. ago.
0: So I read, all right, there's this whole really interesting kind of, like, uh, counter narrative thing that I read by, he's a biologist and, uh, the sort of long story short of the article that he wrote. Wow. That was so many words. (laughs) Okay.
1: Here's what's in the article. (laughs) Yes. There we go. (laughs) Uh,
0: So what was in the article? Basically that, yes, there's been an increase in people using pills recreationally. Um, and people die when they drink alcohol and use pills. Uh, but what's also happened is that there's this sort of set population of needle drug users who are already using heroin. But what's been noticed is that they're dying a lot more.
1: Yes. And,
0: it's, and that was the whole thing that happened with the introduction. That of, was
1: like Seymour Hoffman and that crew. like right. People that, you know, would always have dabbled in heroin. And even
0: before yeah. that, it was when there was the push to uh, put out Narcan uh, because that was like, holy crap, people are just dying of overdosing. And the reason was because all of a sudden there was this new influx of synthetic opiates. So this guy's take anyway is that that's what's happening. It's not that there's suddenly this giant swath of people that are addicted to opiates. It's that the people that were already addicted to IV drugs are suddenly dying and experiencing, like, the ravages of addiction. Yeah, at, I think because they're doing like and they're doing doses so much that you just, like, dope not off while you're walking in the street. Right. You know, but, it, like... but I
1: actually think we're saying the same thing then.
0: I think so. Yeah. Yeah. But the, so, but okay. again, the, the point, like, the point being, though, that this opiate epidemic, to, to a certain extent, it's like there's a lot of old and injured people in America. And so those people get punished for the enforcement of the opiate epidemic. And so, like you were talking about Big Pharma or whatever, but like in a lot of cases, it seems like those are pretty decent pain control drugs. There's obviously better ones. Maybe, maybe cannabis would work. Maybe it wouldn't. But there's pain control drugs that aren't. Serious opiates,
1: right? And there are people who are in real pain who really need this medicine, you know. And so everyone's being caught up in just, I mean, in DEA, I mean, the DEA shot and killed someone, three people. I guess
0: so. But like, what I'm saying is, in Manchester, yeah, (laughs) but them shutting down pill mills in Florida where people are ordering stuff, it's not going to stop people from overdosing on heroin on the street in Manchester. Like, those are two different problems or two different like drug use situations that are that are that have to be dealt with um but yeah so in our case though i mean the good news is that it seems that uh like the crime and stuff that seems so endemic to the homeless problem in seattle isn't really here it seems like most of the crime that happens as a result of homelessness and like the drug trade here is to other people that are involved in those things for example there was a murder down the street uh not too long ago dude got shot in this alleyway like not too far from where i live and at the same time i don't feel unsafe at all going for a jog at eleven thirty. i don't feel like i'm gonna get carjacked when i'm driving down the street i don't you know uh have any of those concerns because that situation it was obvious that it was something where oh, was it was personal dispute. there yeah. was you know, a drug deal gone wrong. And, or and you most, banged my girlfriend or right. whatever it was. I mean, was and, and
1: most of those things, you know, unless it's – Crappy it's, behavior. Yeah, it's, it's either, like, personal or it's –
0: Yeah. So it's not random <laughs> Or crime. it's not, I guess. Well, right, or it's <laughs> right. Not. But that's what I'm saying. In, in Seattle, from this documentary, from, what, from this video, from what they're saying, there's homeless people armed with machetes and knives roaming the streets, sticking people up and – Busted into places. And well, actually not...
1: there, I got the impression they were all just stealing from each other. And I was well, like, right. wow, that's, you know, like, think about that. Like, if that's your, like, village, that's your environment. I mean, that does say something about, like, addiction, right? And and that behavior. I mean, yeah. these are literally, like, I mean, when you say fall through the cracks, it's also you are living in a society where everyone is screwing everyone over as a lifestyle like you are that's the life you are living and and, you know and it's like that's like that's a pretty shitty culture like you shouldn't be there like you need to get out of that well and also of course
0: all, all of this research on addiction points to the fact that it's usually to address a lack of meaningfulness and community in someone's life and typically, if you can get them into a situation where there's like an actual community that cares about them. And again, this is this is I feel like the germ of the truth and good idea that the people on the City Council of Seattle have taken to its illogical conclusion, which is, oh, we just need to be nice. We just need to not get anyone in trouble and they'll figure it out. You know, that's being a, that's not being a supportive community and supportive community would be saying you can't do those things.
1: Right, because it hurts
0: everybody and yourself, and also I'm going to beat you up if you, you know, like there would a real supportive community would correct that behavior. Well, you see, but
1: this in some ways always brings me back to the whole question of you know force, right, (laughs) right. But it's like, what do you unless uh, they stole from someone? (laughs) Yeah, exactly. You know, so so once again, it gets back to when we go down this rabbit hole. It's the question, the first principle you need to look at these issues from is a property rights perspective. Like before we get to enforcement, before we get to intervention, before we get to any of those other things, we have to say, one, was there a real crime or not, right? And then we've got to say, if there was a real crime, what are we doing, right? How does that sentencing look? Is it fair? Like, how should that work? Should you right. be able to pay it back? Like, there's so much reform that needs to happen. Um, and maybe there's an appetite now because this homelessness issue is really just, it's like a bumper sticker or it's the, it's the symptom, right of, right, of a much deeper malaise. And part of that malaise is... Socialism and sort of saying we're not going to believe in property rights, and this is the result of that point of view. Well,
0: and also at the end of the, uh, I've never actually. This is just kind of like a thought that's formulating right now. But a homeless person it's its basically a person who's run out of couches to sleep on, right? You're out of community, like you've burned out your options, or you didn't have any to begin with because of some, you know, some tragedy. You're a lonely person, and you. Like, it seemed like that guy in the – I can't – yeah, it was in the Vice one. The guy that – he obviously just seemed like a smart loner dude who his company shut down, and he couldn't get another job. Yep. And he's – he had a drinking problem, it sounds like.
1: Yeah, he, and then he, he, was, he was missing a lot of teeth for someone who'd only been on the road for, like, a couple of years.
0: I don't know. I feel like that happens pretty quick if you have no money. It's something – I mean, a bad fall, and all of a sudden, you got no teeth.
1: Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and and you're more likely to fall and
0: or get someone to punch you in the face when you're asleep and steal your stuff. Yeah, because you're out in the open, right? Exposed. Once
1: again, no, no. But that over. guy, it's
0: you know, he he ran out of community to rely on, and that's yeah, really he said because he
1: actually said in it, it was quite poignant. He said I I couch surfed for about a year, and then when that ran out, I
0: went to a shelter, and, and then, I couldn't do that. Yeah, and so I'm in the woods now, and. I guess that's one of, that's the big question of culture, civilization, and society is there's always going to be people that run out of options. And what do you do for and with them?
1: Well, Uh, you know, I mean, I think churches, you know, a lot of people have, you know, sort of lost, I think churches kind of provided a lot of community in a way that, has has been lost you know and family right i mean and and i mean it's it's an open secret that uh, the communists and the socialists believe that you know we should destroy the family unit because then people are much easier to control so you know maybe these are like genuinely the product of the system
0: i don't know i feel like there have always been well how to put this A lot of people that were that way would have died a lot younger in previous societies. You know, people who, through either a horrible stroke of fortune or their own terrible decisions and actions are so outside of community that they just got nothing. Um, You just, like, they would not exist more quickly. Or they would find something where it's like, Everybody's living in poverty, so I'm like the shoe shine guy and it means that I can eat a bowl of rice every day and that's great. Right, um, but there
1: there but, was I mean in De Tocqueville's days. People, yeah, but in so like, many less people. Right. But De Tocqueville, actually he writes that, you know, there was there was poverty, obviously, but like everyone was hustling, right? Because if you don't have charity like you got to figure it out, you know, like maybe maybe you're the, you know, the 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 special one who is the bus boy and that's like your job and that's all you can do. And it's like someone's willing to pay you. They're not willing to pay you fifteen dollars minimum wage. They might be willing to pay you two dollars a day, you know, and give you a place to sleep or whatever the numbers are. I'm in cowboy world, so no one (laughs) be offended. But I think the
0: key thing there is just that there were so many fewer humans. Like it's hard to it's hard to compare anything that de Tocqueville saw to the cities with millions and millions of people. And even cities with hundreds of thousands of people were way on the, you know, incredible outskirts of what was imaginable for shoving people into a small area. So, you know, we have all these big concentrations of humanity. All of a sudden it becomes those are the only places where services are available, particularly for, you know, in a place like New Hampshire, Manchester. If you want homeless services, good luck if you're in Berlin. Good luck if you're in Gorham, I mean, the homeless services are, you know, there's a mountain over there (laughs) and you can climb up it and see what, I mean, there's good luck. I mean, it's just, it's not a place where you would want to be out of options, Uh, or you would have to learn how to be a lumberjack really quick or something.
1: Well, but here in Manchester, I uh, certainly – so we have a program here called Safe Stations, and that was something I – you know, I give the firemen credit for this. It was a way to sort of decriminalize some of the behavior. So if you were an addict and you were willing to come into one of the firehouses, um, they would help you and pair you with a program to help, and and that was mostly because they were being called out so often on um, overdoses. Like I mean, morale was really down. I think it was just really rough. I I mean, I was listening to the police scanner once, and Probably you you could you, you could when you could still do that before they encrypted them. Like shady, shady people. That's shady. <laughs> That's true. If you have nothing to hide, you have nothing to fear. MPD. <laughs> just saying. Decrypt the codes. Decrypt the codes. So anyway, I was listening to the scanner and uh, there was a call that came in and it was clearly an overdose and you could just tell from how everyone was responding. Like, everyone was despondent. Like, they were like, my job fucking sucks. Again. So, like, so I get that frustration. Like, I, I understand that's a real thing. But just as much as I have compassion for someone who has that kind of job, that's a hard job. You also have to have compassion for the person who's that fucked up. Right. And so they like we can't keep hurting them like right. i i'm just like why can't why well, can't they why are people they overdosing why
0: are they overdosing it's because they don't know what amount of heroin no one... or fentanyl or whatever they're doing cuz you just get a bag from a dude and you have no clue what it is i mean you have some clue it's if it's like the right shade of powdery color you know but... right
1: and so who knows how many people are getting like fried because of this lack of Lack of information, but honestly, I mean, let's just put the blame where it deserves to lie. The government has been lying to people for almost a hundred years. Well, they've been lying forever, but specifically
0: education about like safe injection and all that stuff. Which I know, I feel like it's it's like trying to be the cool mom where it's like, well, if you're getting drink you should all drink at my house. And I oh my God. But those were my and, parents. Oh, those but, are but my parents. Right? Yes. If people are going to inject drugs, they should know that there can be germs on the needles that they're using. I have two heroin related punk songs that I just could... <laughs> there's, there's the world's on heroin by all, and there's dirty needles by screeching weasel. Oh
1: goodness. Which is only
0: 30 <laughs> seconds long and it's so good.
1: Oh, maybe we could outro with that.
0: It's, if you're going to shoot up, please don't use somebody else's needles because you don't know where those gross needles have been. Oh, no. <laughs> but
1: here's the thing. like those, like, It's
0: educational. Yes. For all the, if you're going to be that kind of dude that's doing that, then at least don't get AIDS.
1: But it's also like not <laughs> like, only is it educational, it's like how cool is it that there was a band who was like, this is what I want to sing about. Like I'm literally going to try and teach other people not to be a dumbass. Well,
0: I think it was also kind of like tongue-in-cheek, but it is at the same time true in educational
1: oh you think it was tongue-in-cheek or
0: do you uh, think they're like
1: a, they were all getting sick too
0: probably i mean i mean everybody I agrees that people shouldn't use dirty needles to do drugs i feel like it's right. a universally endorsable statement
1: yeah but it's so funny how <laughs> except
0: if you're the ondcp and you're like you just shouldn't do drugs at all so if you do do them, I hope that you do die. <laughs> I...
1: <laughs> but yeah, exactly, right? Uh, it's it's awful. So, um, so you know, interventions not going to work. So also, we should say in in the Seattle program, the other thing that struck me, where I was like, oh my god, this really is psyops, is. Um, where towards the end now they're like they're not really hiding that they think incarceration is like the way to go. Yeah, they're like why aren't these people in Then jail? they pan. So you're seeing sort of this aerial view of this island with like this prison, like giant prison and the narrator is like, "Well, there's McNeil Island and you know and and we could just put everyone here and it's been closed down but it could be reopened." And I was like, "Oh my goodness, I have to like immediately Google all of this about this island. We so. have
0: this idea called the Thirsty Games.
1: So, <laughs>
0: <laughs>
1: so this island is, like, um, it's a real place, first of all. And it used to be a federal prison. It was, like, uh, it was bananas. Fuck, I hope I can remember this. Sorry, I'm swearing so much tonight. I apologize, people. But basically, it um, it was, like, oh, it was... Prisons for Japanese people, too. Like, it was one of those places. Like, it has oh, a like deep, a wartime
0: dark... wartime internment plant? Yeah, or, but, like, yeah. for
1: a special group of Japanese. And huh. then, like, it's just... It sounds like an evil, bad place. Like, a Guantanamo-level <laughs> place, there, right? Yeah. So, like, it's got a lot of history, which is why I think it was, like, shut down. Also, it's an island, so it is insanely expensive. So, here's, so so this is genuinely, like, what's happening. How do they get food so, out there? So island living, as we all know, is expensive, which is why rich people have yachts, and <laughs> rich people, like, sail around and stop Shoppers. and have, you know, like. Yeah. Li- yeah. So, <laughs> so islands are expensive places. So having your prisons on your islands is not a good idea. And so they only have a handful of prisoners left, but they're all aging so they all have to like be flown, either flown by helicopter or taken by boat, uh, to have like MRIs and whatever. They're doing like twenty medical runs. It's costing like three thousand, three hundred thousand dollars a week, like for these eight prisoners or something. It's, it's got to just... be
0: like the lieutenant governor's brother owns a boat company well, or right? something
1: like. <laughs> A no, fairy. but they're just—they don't know what to do with the, the Like I—I I mean, it might have been like a creepy subset of like pedos or you know mm. something like that. But Super jail. Yeah, but um, but yeah, not fiscally responsible at <laughs> any stretch of the imagination. But anyway, so this jail, this this place is where the narrator of this movie was like you know what we should do we should round them all up and put them on this island
0: enforce them and intervene on them good and hard
1: <laughs> and 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 it you know it i i can't lie while i was watching it i was kind of like it's it's well made i could see people watching it and getting really like swept up in like yeah, maybe if we just hurt these people yeah, more, it that all on that island in the middle of the <laughs> You know the
0: one I'm talking about,
1: 293. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, come on. Oh, we should totally build a prison there. <laughs> oh, my God.
0: It's so dumb. I, yeah, I mean, and that is the, as the lady in the Vice documentary, which was about oh, explain a guy quickly, that runs yeah. r- this homeless consulting company that sounds, I mean, the more that I think about it, it sounds kind of like pure evil cronyism, uh, he runs so these homeless shelters that get funded, and uh, I think they get funded by you know municipal budgets and everything. Uh, and he has this slate, you know, a legislative uh, agenda to put you know ordinances in place to criminalize things like sitting on a bench and sharing food with people in public. Yeah. It's it's, like
1: the hardcore loitering, you know, like the pens that they put in the benches. Exactly. But,
0: but they're laws (laughs) instead of pins. Right. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, but so this guy runs these shelters and the shelters look like concentration camps i mean it's like these you know thin foam mats just on the ground with a on pillow. the ground
1: with like outlines drawn like like almost like dead in. you know like like the dead buddy outline i mean not quite that but like it's pretty bad and the
0: promotional video which in really happy tones is like the accommodations at our shelters are Spartan. It's not a good place to live. <laughs> They're really into how crappy they are. But uh, anyway, but part of this guy, what he does and what they have lobbied for is basically when people are picked up for these homelessness related crimes, they are put in solitary confinement until they decide that they would really like to go to one of these shelters they would uh,
1: they would now like to volunteer Yeah until they voluntarily the...
0: choose to leave solitary confinement <laughs> for a shelter which doesn't sound like much of a choice to me I mean me. that
1: sounds like a violation of the Geneva Convention and, now and it, you know I ain't for any foreigners laws up here right. in uh North Country and, but <laughs> I, I
0: don't know if they get paid per head or what but it sounds like a way to sort of monetize human misery which oh, is Oh my horrible. god
1: it's it's awful and and this is the problem with with crony capitalism and craftless it's like it rewards the worst people. That's come up what's with the idea Ooh, with, I'll like, build
0: homeless shelters to exploit like, people,
1: and, and we'll all get rich. And my
0: lobbyist can convince you know, the town and, council that we should, you know.
1: And, <laughs> and it's just like, what are you doing? If we just let the markets work, these people would not rise to the top.
0: I would hope not. Sometimes no,
1: they might. Th- I mean, but they, they
0: probably wouldn't. Or they would briefly, and then they'd lose all their money.
1: I mean, I think they would, but I think for the most part, anything where it's, like, bad shit happening would be accidents, like, where we didn't know. Like, the unintended consequence of, let's say, PFOAs that are now in everyone's blood, right? Yeah. Thank you, DuPont. We would not like to accept your sponsorship money, just so we're real (laughs) clear. (laughs)
0: I don't know, I like under um, <laughs> <laughs> But um I like all those chemicals.
1: <laughs> <laughs> no, so so I'm I mean I'm not anti companies. I'm just saying that that with the free market, if things go pear-shaped, it's not usually someone who's colluding to live off human suffering. For the most part, the markets are genuinely trying to improve people's lives because the market, for the most part, is trade where it's a win-win where I'm giving you something you want.
0: Markets aren't trying to do anything. It's a bunch of people that are trying to do things that they want with other people and exchange money or other goods or services for those things they want. And generally, it results in positive outcomes, it seems.
1: But I just want free stuff, Brink.
0: You gotta ask somebody else for that. (laughs) Well, I think that we should probably sort of wrap it up here, but I think this was an interesting video to watch. I'm glad that it's entered the sort of public discourse because it identifies a number of real problems. And if your city is considering decriminalizing assault and theft, it's a bad idea. You shouldn't decriminalize actual crime, you should decriminalize or legalize non-crime. Uh, but, uh, you know, th- I think that we didn't really talk about it, but there, there is the, uh, even even with a fully operating free market or whatever, there's no way to guarantee that everybody will be provided for in a way that allows them to live a happy and fulfilling life. Like, it just doesn't happen in the universe. Uh, but, so, so basing the, you know, uh, validity of a solution on whether or not it would save every single person from this situation is a bad idea um, but
1: well, and there's probably the, things
0: to be done that would be helpful for people
1: well but that's also the failure of statism is where people go there must only be one solution and right. we're going to try this and oh gee that was the wrong one Let, let's tax you more so we can try this next one instead it'll, it'll of just letting that, people yeah. compete because the, the other thing is there is no one right way like right. alcoholism Prime example. People, you know, like AA wants to be like, my method's the method and it's the only method. And, you know, the naltrexone people are like, no, my method. is the way to do it. You know, and other people are like very science based. And it's all, and it's like different things are going to resonate with different people because we're all different. And so if we just let the market solve these problems. So in Manchester, you know, I would love to be, I fully agree. We should be enforcing any kind of trespass laws. I would actually love to see the city go back and reconsider the sidewalk stuff, where they yeah. were going to allow the businesses to keep um, the sidewalk clear themselves. Um, agree fully. Let's decriminalize or legalize uh, non-criminal behavior, and let's actually, you know, enforce property rights. And um, and you know, these problems can be solved. And then also, you know, let's. Con- continue to show compassion and mercy for people. Well, and... yeah, and I guess
0: that's kind of my my bummer ending point, is I don't know <laughs> if these problems can be solved. Uh, I'm not that much of a utopian. You know, there's always been unfortunate, marginal people. And I'm not, I'm not saying, and that's fine, so we shouldn't worry about it. But I feel like the bad news is, no matter what solutions are pursued, you're never going to have a 100% success rate. Uh, so... I mean, I, I don't know what the point is, other than to just be a total downer and be like, sometimes things will suck for everyone because we're all gonna die. And uh, no, we are not I'm, ending on that note. On, on I am just to gonna grain, keep talking, and we are just
1: going to talk terrible. over brick until the <laughs> end of this show. That, ladies and gentlemen, was no, another be
0: great. It's I, I'm not saying I'm not. It's just that I feel like part of the built-in expectations of a lot of the dialogue are, what's going to be the solution that's going to make it all better? And it's like there is no all better. There's only on the way to better that we're all continuing to try to move in a, to a better place. There's never been a time or place where every person's been taken care of, I mean, except for a household that is prosperous. You know what I mean? There's, those are the only places where it's like everyone's needs are all taken care of. And And even then their emotional needs aren't necessarily (laughs) taken care of. So, you know, like,
1: and how do you create households that are prosperous? You keep replicating the recipe that created it to right. start with. Voluntary but with more, associations, yeah, free trading. With more things. freedom yeah. and with more like voluntary, like, you know, just mono and mono peaceful interactions to yeah. the extent we can. Let's build a societies around the ideas that we can get along instead of building walls protected by bullies.
0: Yeah, no, I totally agree. But I guess that's, so the, the to, to recap, I'm not a nihilist. I don't think that everything's, uh, you know, uh, entropic path to nothingness.
1: <laughs> well, that's a relief. <laughs> but,
0: <laughs> but, you know, I feel, again, I, with the, with these policy discussions, the, the idea that you can solve things completely or that a new policy will solve things completely. Uh, it's a bad place to start a conversation. It should always be about getting to a better place from where we are now. And, you know, uh, I'm not sure what the end goal looks like, but I know what better than this would look like. So what can we do to make this better than this on the, you know, with those principles of respecting human dignity and and promoting freedom? Um, so I hope that's the lens that people like Joe Kelly Lavasser and people like our mayor uh, are looking at these issues through. And I fear that sometimes it's not. Uh, but I think that that's sort of. All I have to say. Sorry for rambling.
1: And I would say, uh, you know, if, if the mayor is listening to this, and I would suggest she start. Obviously. Um, that, uh, you know, we'll, we'll sort of see where she stands if we have a public inquiry into the three deaths at Quality Inn.
0: Yeah, really.
1: Like, what's up with that? So maybe we'll talk about that next week. In the meanwhile, fine, this is uh, another edition of Told, Told you, you So. so. Uh, Peace out.